Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Scripture reading today is John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Many of our listeners are fearful about the coronavirus that is sweeping the world. There is a lot of anxiety centered around this crisis. I've specifically addressed these concerns on my YouTube teaching channel, Waiting and Watching, Transforming Your Inner Life. I encourage you to go there to watch the videos. Today, we want to talk about how the Holy Spirit is at work in the world and in the lives of believers in Jesus Christ. I want us to begin by looking at a collect in the Book of Common Prayer for Sunday, May 10th. The word collect comes from the idea of collecting God's people in worship together in prayer to God. Not only are these collects beautifully crafted, but they convey much scriptural and theological weight and substance. Listen to these words. O Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest and desire that which thou dost promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found, through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
With these few words, the godly genius of Thomas Cranmer produced what one scholar calls a masterpiece of pure, perfect, prayed theology. Notice that Cranmer first affirms that only Almighty God can order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men. How does God do this within our hearts? Here we are brought face to face with the glory of the law as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Listen, what does the law say? It commands us to do what we cannot do. It constrains us to be holy when we can't be holy. It tells us what we ought to be when we are powerless to become what we are commanded. In our own strength, unaided by God's grace and power, we cannot keep the Ten Commandments. This is a good realization, because once we acknowledge our inability to please God, the sooner we will cry out for His mercy to save us. Only Jesus Christ, through His death and resurrection, can make us right with God and fulfill the law of God through us. Now, how does Jesus do this? Look at our gospel reading in John chapter 16. Jesus says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So the first part of our gospel passage in John 16 deals with the Holy Spirit's work in the world. The Holy Spirit's job in the world is to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Before the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, people make excuses for their sins. They say things like, I make a lot of mistakes. I couldn't help it. Nobody's perfect. After the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, we hear words like, I am a lost rebel fighting against God and his law. I am a sinner. I have disobeyed God and I must get right with him. Oh, Jesus, please help me. Do you see the difference in tone and in posture? Before conviction of the Holy Spirit, we make excuses for ourselves. We blame our parents or our spouses or our employer. After the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we take personal responsibility for our sins before a holy God. We admit that we have offended God. We have rebelled against Him. We need His mercy and grace. This is because the Holy Spirit doesn't merely accuse men of sin. He brings to them an inescapable sense of guilt so that they realize their shame and helplessness before God. Then the Holy Spirit also convicts us of righteousness. Notice that Jesus says in verse 10, The Holy Spirit will convict concerning righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Why did Jesus say this? Because the ascension of Jesus Christ to heaven demonstrated that he had perfectly fulfilled the Father's will and had proven himself righteous. 
Jesus was perfect righteousness while he was living on the earth in a human body. It's the Holy Spirit who shows the world the righteousness of Jesus and simultaneously our own unrighteousness. Then verse 11 talks about the Holy Spirit convicting us of judgment. What does this mean? The Holy Spirit convicts of judgment because the ruler of this world has already been judged. The judgment of Satan himself means that there will be a final reckoning, a final judgment between God and his rebellious creatures. The Holy Spirit warns the world of this coming judgment. There will be a final day of reckoning. That should put the fear of God into our hearts. Every thought, every word, every deed will be open to us at the last day of judgment. That's why, beloved, I'm not particularly worried about evil men and women in this world. Robespierre, the leader of the French Revolution, Stalin, Hitler, Mao Zedong, Idia Amin, Pol Pot of Cambodia, all the way into our present day with all the evil politicians that surround us with their deceptions, all ungodly, ruthless leaders, selfish, self-promoting, pushing on godliness and sin, all of these are guilty of leading countless souls into sin and unrighteousness. But a judgment day is coming. Beloved, we don't need to worry about these leaders because they must give an account to God Almighty for their conduct. And we as believers, as followers of Christ, must also give an account to God for our conduct. Now, in the second part of John chapter 16, we see the Holy Spirit's work in the believer. Notice that in our collect, Cranmer asks God to help us love what he commands and desire to live according to his promises. Think about that for a moment. We are asking God to help us love what we are required to do. The vision here is for God's people to obey God's commands, not out of compulsion or constraint, not out of grudging obedience, but out of spontaneous desire flowing from within. Instead of I ought, I should, I must, the Christian life becomes I want, I desire, I long to please my heavenly king. I want to love and serve Jesus with all my being. Can you feel the difference in atmosphere, in attitude, and in spirit? A long-faced, I should, I have to, becomes a joyful, I want, I long, I love to please my heavenly King. Obedience to God flows from a place of freedom and gladness within. It's the difference between an Eric Little and a Harold Abrams in the classic film Chariots of Fire. As you know, I rarely recommend films, but Chariots of Fire is a classic must-watch. 
The story is about two Olympic runners, Eric Little, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and Harold Abrams, a determined Jew. Harold is compulsively driven to win a gold medal and will stop at nothing to attain his goal. Eric Little joyfully exclaims, When I run, I feel God's pleasure. And when Little ran, it was literally with joy in every stride. He would throw his head back and a great smile crossed his face as he blew past every runner and consistently won every race, including the Olympic gold medal. Harold Abrams approached running with obligation and obsession. He was consumed, driven, by the I ought, I must of personal ambition. Little ran with desire and freedom because he knew God had made him fast, and when he ran, he felt God's pleasure. So how do we move from I ought and I must to I love and I desire? We cannot move from constraint and obligation to love and desire unless God supernaturally expresses his life through us. St. John says in verse 13 to 15 that the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us into all truth and glorifies Christ by expressing his life through us. In Ezekiel 37, the prophet Ezekiel is taken out into a valley full of old bones. The Spirit of God asks in chapter 37, 3, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon the bones, and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And the breath of God came across those old bones, and they came alive, and stood up on their own feet. Verse 14, And I shall pour my spirit in you, and you shall live. This is an illustration of the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. On our own, we are simply dry bones lying in a valley. But God, through his Spirit, can raise us up to participate in his divine life and cause us to love and desire what he commands. This, beloved, is true freedom. This is life as God has designed for us to live. How does God do this in our hearts? Our epistle reading gives us the answer. James chapter 1 verse 18. By his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The Holy Spirit of God uses the living Word of God to reveal the mind and heart of God so that you will know and love the will of God. Let me repeat that again. The Holy Spirit of God uses the living Word of God to reveal the mind and heart of God so that you will know and love the will of God.
You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. It is the Holy Spirit who brings us to Christ because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. He takes the living words of Holy Scripture and brings them into our lives, into our thinking, into our experience. He takes Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He takes Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10.9, But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. All of this truth the Holy Spirit takes and presents to our intellect that the Lord Jesus may be revealed through his living word to us. Everything must always point to Jesus Christ and him alone. The Bible is not simply a book with words in it. It is supernatural revelation. It is alive and pulsing with the Holy Spirit of truth. In our own strength and by our own unaided intellect, we are helpless to know God. We cannot understand the things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, For the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. Spiritual illumination and transformation is a gift of God. It is not something we do on the basis of self-effort or unaided human reason. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and then shows us the glory and sufficiency of Jesus and his cross so that we may throw ourselves upon his mercy and believe. Once having believed upon Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit within us moves us from obligation and constraint to continual love and desire. Obligation and constraint only take a person so far before it turns into rebellion. The I should and the I ought won't last because it's not grounded in the inner freedom and joy of the Spirit. It's tremendously important to love what God commands and desire what he promises because of the principle that we become what we love. Listening friend, what do you most love and desire? Is it your house, your work, your career, your money, your retirement? It's an important question because over time, you will become like that which you love. 
Remember Ebenezer Scrooge in Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol? He loved money so much that he became more and more miserly, selfish, and unloving. Then he was transformed. He had a conversion of heart. He changed from I will and I must to I want and I love. In that freedom, he looked away from himself. He took his eyes off of money and began to care for the poor and needy around him. Remember the story of Snow White and the Wicked Queen? The Wicked Queen was the embodiment of the I must, I should disposition. She loved her own reflection in a mirror and so became more unseemly and narcissistic. By contrast, Snow White possessed a natural beauty of face and form because she unselfishly loved the creation and all who lived in it. She spontaneously and with great joy and freedom loved the Creator and loved His creatures. Over the years, Snow White grew increasingly beautiful because she did this. She loved God and loved His creatures, the animals, the birds, the dwarves. But over time, the wicked queen grew more evil and sinister because she loved only her twisted self and the unruly wills and affections of her sinful nature. Now, as we close our teaching on this passage, let's personalize the collect for this Sunday. O Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of my sinful heart, grant unto me that I may love the thing which thou commandest and desire that which thou dost promise that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world, my heart may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found through Jesus Christ my Lord. Amen. Listening friend, will you make this prayer the cry of your heart today? Perhaps there are some under the sound of my voice who have never responded to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ until now. Don't delay in coming to Jesus. If God is speaking in your heart, surrender your life to the Lord Jesus and do it now. Confess your sins to him and ask him to make you a brand new person inside. He will hear your prayer and transform you from within. He will set your life on a new path that leads to eternal life with him forever. God promises in Isaiah 55, 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What a tremendous promise from God for you today. I encourage you to surrender your heart completely to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe upon him this very moment. To believe means to place your whole trust and confidence in what Jesus Christ did for you when he died upon the cross for your sins and then rose again from the grave. Don't put off believing in Christ. Trust him right now. 
If you have never realized that Jesus Christ died for your sin, today is the day of salvation. I invite you to surrender your whole life to Christ right now. The Bible says in Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, then go and be baptized into the church as an expression of your love and obedience to him. May God bless you as you trust in him today. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.